Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to episode 11 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always a legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, how we doing? Good, good. We're in, we're in person, so that's always a dangerous thing. Always a dangerous thing. Get ready for the takes. Get ready for the research department to fuck up several times. Nonetheless, another new and improved in-person show coming at all the incredible listeners on a Wednesday. Quick reminder, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you might find audio masterpieces such as this show. Um, all right. I don't know about you, Aaron, but I think things are starting to get back to normal a little bit here. Um, seems to me the country has shifted in the direction of getting back to normal. And, and you know, in saying that, I didn't think it was a po- you know possible a month ago. But to be, to be brutally honest with you, I, you know, I was out this weekend a little bit, and not many people are wearing masks. More and more folks are starting to get out and about. And I think, uh, you know, more than just a typical post-workday walk, I think, People are starting to, to realize that they don't want to be inside and cooped up anymore, but hopefully this, this doesn't lead to a second wave of this virus. Yeah, yeah. From what I can tell, uh, you know, from what I've been reading and, and things of that nature, uh, it definitely doesn't look good as far as uh, the cases, it looks like, continue to go up and rise. But people just had enough of staying inside. So this is what's kind of going to happen and, and what's going to take place over the next few months or the rest of the year. Uh, wh- where are you on this whole mask controversy i guess it, it's turning into and, and where we stand today you obviously work around people every day you have a, a client facing job per se whereas i work from home and will be working from home for the foreseeable future are you starting to sort of sense sense a rebellion or a shift in the mentality that we have to wear masks every day or are people sort of re- remaining in the social distance setting that that we've been sort of mandated to be in for the last three plus months uh, yeah, I definitely think people are, are sick and tired of it, whether that be, uh, you know, just having to wear the mask, uh, not being able to go out to eat, uh, like in a normal setting. But uh, me personally, I think we should continue to, to try and use the masks as much as possible, as much as pain in the ass that it is. And, and on a day where I'm working eight to 10 hours, I absolutely hate it. But uh, if it means slowing the spread or, or not getting the, the elderly people sick or, or or just cutting down the cases in general I, I support wearing the mask even though I'm not a, a fan of wearing it I think it's just uh, what we should do until there's a, a vaccine that, that's hit the market yeah that's uh that's quite impressive I couldn't imagine wearing a mask for eight to ten hours a day but I give you a ton of credit do they at least give you a mask or you have to go out and buy one on no if they didn't give me a mask I, I'd, I'd rebel and, and probably say some expletives oh, yeah. uh towards towards their direction but uh we do get a mask every day Aaron Riley was always uh, the rebellious type. Just ask all the, the teachers in the Manhattan Township uh, School District. They'll, they'll, they'll clue you in a few uh, <laughs> shenanigans from, from Aaron Riley's past. But uh, let's get into today's show. Got a, got a packed show for you. Got some NFL, got some NBA, got some Christian Hackenberg potentially moving to, to baseball talk. So let's get into it. And now for today's topics. Uh, specifically moving on to the NFL here. Miles Garrett, infamous attacker of, of Mason Rudolph and current defensive lineman for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they've engaged in contract negotiation. He's engaged in contract negotiations with the Browns, and uh, the stage has been set for a potential mega extension for the 2017 number one overall pick. Before we get into his contract and some other notes regarding the rest of his draft class from 2017, uh, including some saucy comments from Jamal Adams, can we get into how absurd uh, the assault on Mason Rudolph was from last season? 
Yeah, I mean, if he did that in a public street, he'd be locked up. So, you know, I felt bad for Mason Rudolph at the time. Uh, just a young kid trying to get his feet wet in the NFL. And, and dude, absolutely clubs him with a helmet. Just not, not very good behavior for an NFL player. I think Rudolph is lucky to be alive. Um, still lucky to be walking this great earth. You got Tom Hawk with a, with a, a legitimate NFL helmet, which I think probably weighs, you know, five to ten pounds. I guess I'm a little bit strategic when, when I say that. But no dent in the skull or anything. And I think despite the quote-unquote incident, the Browns are, are about to shell out the bag for Miles Garrett. Uh, good player. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think he, you know, is a, is a scrub by any means. I, I think he definitely deserves to get paid. But maybe wait a little bit. Maybe wait until the pandemic is over with. Maybe get a feel for – this guy's character a little further. I mean, this guy is sort of turning into another Ndamukong Sue, you know, I think for, for all we know. So uh, I think it just comes at a weird time for me. They just tried to sign Clowney to a mega deal. I, I think that was probably going to be a one-year deal nonetheless. But I, I guess in, in trying to sign Clowney, they, they might have, and in failing to do so, they might have pivoted and, and wanted to get this guy signed up quickly. But if you're Clowney, would you want to go to the Browns? I don't think I can really fucking blame the guy. No, definitely not. I think if, if I'm in the Cleveland Browns organization, though, I try and uh, sure up the offensive line because I've watched multiple games last year where it was Baker running for his life. So, yeah, uh, Miles Garrett, good player, but absolutely all atrocious offensive line there in Cleveland. And if you want to protect your, you know, now third-year starting quarterback in Baker Mayfield and, and want to build around him, then you're not really doing him any favors by signing a uh, defensive player, obviously. All right, so looking at some of the, the top pass rushers from around the league, Chicago's Khalil Mack tops the group with an average of $23.5 million a year. Dallas's Demarcus Lawrence racks in $21 million a year, and then Kansas City's Frank Clark racks in $20.8 million. Um, all right, so we have a range of 23 to about 21-ish. Do you think Garrett gets that much money? Do you think he's the caliber of a Khalil Mack or, or a Lawrence or a Clark, or do you think he sort of – Maybe gets the high teens range. What's your sort of opinion on, on Garrett? Yeah, I think uh, just based upon where he's at in his career, I don't think he's done enough to, to obviously eclipse like a Khalil Mack, Demarcus Lawrence even. I don't think he's up to that level. So maybe he gets like between 16, 18 million a year. That's that's my ballpark. But at the end of the day, it's the Cleveland Browns. So they've, they've done a lot of questionable decisions over the years and, and they might continue to do so and show out this show out more than this guy's worth. And, and, you know, it would just be another blunder on their on their end. Yeah, I don't even – I mean, I guess, he, you know, he wants to get paid. He wants to get his money before his, you know, five years on his rookie contract ends. But in my opinion, the organization's a mess, as you said. Cleveland's a shithole. Worst city in all pro sports, in my, in my opinion. Wow. Pro- prove me wrong on that one, but I think – outside of Philly, of course. But nice. uh, I think that, that has to be at least in the running as, as the worst city in pro sports, in my opinion. I, I, maybe I'm a like, Sacramento. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, what about Memphis, Tennessee? I mean, it's, no one really talks about going to Memphis. Elvis? No, Elvis from Memphis. No, I think it's from. <laughs> I think Elvis is from elsewhere in Tennessee. But yeah, I, I give yeah, you. Green, a, I think it's Greenfield. I give. I give you a, a Memphis. I give uh, you a Green Bay. Green Green Bay is historic though, so Green Bay Green Bay kind of doesn't fall into the shithole category. I give you a Buffalo. Buffalo is definitely in the shithole, <laughs> bottom of the barrel, just. Any city in Canada for yeah, hockey? Whoa. Dang. I mean, Toronto's nice. Montreal is nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Ottawa's kind of a shithole, I feel like. Edmonton's a shithole. Cle- Cleveland's got to be up there. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland probably be- just because they have uh, multiple teams in Cleveland. So, Sacramento obviously only having the Kings and then Memphis only having the Grizzlies. Uh, Cleveland has, you know, major sports there. And if you talk to anybody from Pittsburgh, they call it the shit by the river. So that's obviously uh, – they're rival sports rival sports teams and rival sports cities. But uh, there, there's justified reason to say that. And and if you ever get the chance, go look up uh, Joe Kim Noah talking about Cleveland. It's, it's, uh, it's good, good stuff, good quality stuff. Gun to your head, Cleveland or Cincinnati? I'm doing Cincinnati. Me too. I, I've never been – I mean, I've been to Cleveland. I've never been to Cincinnati. I'm just going to choose it off the top because I, I, it can't be any worse than Cleveland. I'll, I'll say that much. Getting to the rest of the, the 2017 draft class and guys who need to get paid, there's the Patrick Mahomes, there's the Deshaun Watson effect and all this contract madness. These guys are obviously unsigned still and probably won't sign until after the season uh, due to implications of the salary cap stemming from the coronavirus. But 
in my opinion, I, I get that every player wants to get out of that rookie deal as soon as possible. But if Watson and Mahomes are still playing their rookie deal, what ground do you do you have to stand on if you're Miles Garrett or, or you're Jamal Adams or anybody else from uh, this 2017 draft class? Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, I think most of these guys are obviously just trying to go out and get the money for themselves, and and they're it's all a case by case basis as far as who what agent they work with and things like that. I'm kind of surprised that Mahomes hasn't gone all in and just said, you know, you guys need to pay me. I mean, guy won the Super Bowl and he's, you know, what, 24 years old. So yeah, pro- yeah. If the, I think from from a Watson and Mahomes standpoint, they're probably like, all right, like just give us one more year and we'll shell out 40 mil. You know, for you, I think Russell Wilson's top in the market there for QBs at 35 million. I think Dak wanted to get 40. I think he might. Have, I think Dak actually might have turned down forty a year, which is ridiculous. I think if you give Watson, Mahomes, another year, shake out the salary cap from an owner, an owners and team perspective, and then they'll probably you know make bank. The only person signed from you know signed extension here from the twenty seventeen class is McCaffrey. I do think he's a little bit of an outlier because he's a running back and you know will objectively have a shorter shelf life than a, than a Miles Garrett or a Jamal Adams or any quarterback, but. You know, I think even further, McCaffrey's, what, like 23 right now? I think he'll be 28 when his deal ends. And it just makes a ton of sense for Carolina to pay him now, get out of that deal when he sort of hits post-prime, whereas if Mahomes is 28, if Watson's 28, then hopefully they're both healthy. But that is arguably when they're going to be playing their best football. So it just makes sense to extend McCaffrey now and get out of the deal when he gets into his, you know, late 20s, you know, early 30s. Right, and I think uh, I think the Carolina fans need something to cheer for. Obviously, no more Cam Newton there. so. Uh, McCaffrey's kind of the uh, the face of the organization and and mostly the reason why people want to go see the Panthers because uh, other than that they don't really have a whole lot going on for them you know from a team perspective and and from a dominant offensive perspective there anymore. Sarah, they have Robbie Anderson. Um, this brings us to the Jamal Adams situation. Uh, it was posted on Bleacher Report's Instagram, I believe. Uh, the Garrett deal was posted on um, Instagram and Jamal Adams commented on that post saying quote, well-deserved Miles Garrett. I can't even get my first proposal that they said they would send in January. I, I got called, quote, selfish, though, lol. A lot of action, hashtag stay woke. Uh, love the little stay woke there. Um, remember, kids, it's important to stay woke out there. This hits home for me because, you know, Jamal Adams is obviously one of the best safeties in the league. Happens to play for the New York Jets. I'm a Jets fan, and he's 100% far and away the team's best player. There's no denying that. Nobody has even tried to deny that. I think you can make an argument that he is the league's best safety, but that's neither here nor there. I think a player getting an extension after year three is highly unlikely and even more unlikely if your GM doesn't know what the cap's going to look like a year from now. Our research department coming in hot with a stat here, only 16, count them, 16 of 223 NFL players drafted in the first round since 2011 have signed an extension after their third season. Um, four of them were defensive players, J.J. Watt, Robert Quinn, Patrick Peterson, and Luke Keekley. Uh, Cleo Mack, uh, he won Defensive Player of the Year in his third season and still didn't, still didn't sign an extension after that year. So is Adams in that Cleo Mack, J.J. Watt, Patrick Peterson company? I think some would say yes. Uh, most would say he's certainly on his way, but probably not there yet. Uh, I think, you know, if he was promised an extension after, you know, at the end of last season, I, I guess I can see where he's coming from. But from a coronavirus, from a COVID-19 perspective, I feel like it's changed all this completely. Yeah, so I, I definitely – I'm going to agree with that. I think he is in that category. I mean, I don't see him play too, too often, uh, being that I'm an Eagles fan and, and we're not in the same division, obviously. But, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that kind of pops when you turn on the TV. He makes an impact, uh, you know, more more times than not uh, in, in the games that I've seen him play. So I think he's, he's definitely up there with a Patrick Peterson caliber. I don't think – Patrick Peterson is that much better than him by any means. Hot take. Sorry, Cardinals fans. Um, I think, so, you know, some outlets like ESPN Breach Report are saying the cap could decrease by 20 to 30%. I just spit all over my computer. Um, That's good for it. 20 to 30%, which would be insane, but all the more reason just to wait until next year to sign a deal. But like I said, I think when we were talking about the Jets earlier, you know, in, in, in our podcast year, I think uh, this has a similarity to the Darrell Rivas situation from a few years back. He was already the best corner corner in the league in 2009, 2010, when he decided to hold out. Uh, I think, of course, that was you know well documented documented on that hard knock season. Uh, but Remus had consultation from his uncle, who played in the NFL, and then Jamal Adams has reportedly been taking advisement from his father, uh, who was a former NFL first round pick. So 
Revis then went on to fleece the Jets after they traded him. A few years later, he fleeced them again and immediately got hurt. So if we could avoid that same result with Adams, that would be greatly appreciated from, from Jets fans everywhere. Yeah, what a great player Darrell Revis was, though, in his prime. That, that's one of those guys that uh, absolutely a lockdown corner. Funny, I think Richard Sherman a couple times, you know, called him out and, and said he wasn't much, but just an interesting, uh, you know, tidbit a couple years ago. If we're going to get into the Sherman-Revis debate, there's really no debate, in my opinion, because Revis would literally follow the best player, the best wide receiver from each team on the field, like no matter if he was on the left side, on the slot, on the right side, he would just follow him and shadow him the entire game. Whereas Sher- Sherman, I think, just stays on the right side of the field. If you're, if you're the quarterback, I think Sherman's on your right. So I guess his left, quarterback's right. Also, if you're ever in a, in a rabbit hole of NFL stats, take a look at Darrell Revis's 2009 season. Shut down Randy Moss twice, shut down Chad Johnson, shut down Calvin Johnson, shut down Larry Fitzgerald, uh, shut down Steve Smith, and a slew of other uh, big-name receivers at the time. I, one, one of, if not the most impressive season from quarterback in NFL history. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think in his prime, he was 100 times better than Richard Sherman ever could dream about being. Uh, I think Richard Sherman benefited from being in uh, the Legion of Boom, uh, basically there in Seattle. So I, I, I definitely I'll, I'll take Grievous over Sherman seven days a week. And twice on Sundays. All right, that's a little NFL talk. Just thought it was interesting to, to touch on the Miles Garrett situation since it does have a, a lot of ripple effects throughout the league. And I think now that McCaffrey did get paid his extension, I think some other players in that same draft class are looking to get paid like a Jamal Adams, like a Dalvin Cook who's going to hold out. I think he said it in training camp as well. But uh, we'll get to the NBA here, a uh, sport that also is, is looking to come back here, hopefully in the near future. We have some interesting comments from our friend Kyrie Irving. They had a call. Uh, the players had a, had a call. I think Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley organized a call. Somehow they voted Kyrie Irving to the Players Association board. He's the vice president. Mind-blowing. Him and him, I think Chris Paul is the president. So personally, I, w- I would probably take advice from Chris Paul. Kyrie Irving, if I'm if I'm a player, I don't want Irving to basically be my voice and and speak to the public um, on on player matters. But that's neither here nor there. Basically, he's trying to not get the players to to go back and play. I think you know, send me off of you know the Black Lives Matter movement, send me off George Floyd and countless other you know, senseless deaths in, in that community over the past, you know, I guess since this country has sort of been established. I think he's trying to shed more light on the fact that, that there are more important issues at hand. I can see where he's coming from. That, that there definitely are more important issues at hand. But for me, he, he doesn't have any skin in the game. He's hurt right now. He's not going to be playing for the Nets. The Nets are going to be like an AC, I think. They're not going to probably do much in, in this playoff anyway. KD's not going to play. Kyrie's not going to play. So it's not like the Nets are going to do any damage. To me, I just think he is trying to put the spotlight on himself. I'm not saying he's selfish because he wants to do it for sort of bigger reason, I, I guess. But for me, you know, if you're if you're an employee of the NBA, if you're an employee of the NBA team, if you're a fan, uh, if you're that 14th, 15th guy in your NBA roster, you know, you want to play. You want to. If you're a guy like LeBron James, who is 35 years old, looking to get a ring to cement his legacy further you want to play I just think there are so many reasons to come back you know fans have sort of been in this holding weird quarantine pattern since the NBA decided to leave us in the middle of March so I just think there's so many reasons that you know the NBA should come back and he might not have a ton of a ton of ground to stand on here in, in terms of the NBA not coming back this year yeah and uh to touch on that, uh, we had a conversation off off air where you know we kind of got into the fact that uh, Kyrie Irving just I don't think he's he seems fit to be the vice president of you know anything player related. I just think he he goes off on tangents. He he's kind of erratic in in this behavior as far as just you know one minute one day he feels this way, the next the next day you know he feels a different way. I, I think there's been times in the past where you know very disrespectful to the NBA and the fact that. He just feels like he owes them nothing, that, that type of thing. So, you know, to touch on that point, yeah, I don't think Kyrie should should be uh, at least a vice president. Good Chris Paul ultimately is, you know, the man at the helm there. But, uh, yeah, I think from a from a perspective of, you know, obviously we're sitting here as fans, you know, that there are uh, more, you know, bigger social issues going on uh, and continue to go on. But, in the in the fact that you know, I think the NBA, you know, playing the game is is a blessing, and I think it is a 
a rare opportunity. You know, the, the percentage of, of people that play basketball coming up and then the percent of, of actually making it is so, so small. So I just think, uh, you know, it would be best if everybody comes back, you know, isn't exact and it isn't exactly a, uh, you know, hard thing to, to get through as far as just getting the players on the same board and, and then everybody playing, you know, in this format that obviously will be greatly modified. But, uh, you know, I look forward to, to watching NBA playoffs as do, you know, millions across this country. And I think obviously the, the LeBrons and even the, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard's of the world that have been there before and, and won a championship, uh, you know, want to get back. And, and yeah, it's going to be under extremely different uh, scenario and, and situation. But, um, you know, I think they need to get back to playing. And, you know, we're still a full month away. So uh, I just think that that needs to, to happen here in, in the near future. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Uh, you mentioned LeBron James and guys like Kawhi and maybe a guy like a James Harden want to come back and play and want to fight for that ring, even if it you know comes with sort of an asterisk this year just based off of the circumstances. Patrick Beverly had an interesting tweet over the weekend. He's basically like, if LeBron wants us to play, uh, we're going to play, which I love that LeBron has that pull over the rest of the league. I think that's hilarious. But do you think that is sort of a warranted comment yeah, you know, do you think that if if LeBron says they should play, they're gonna play? You you can make the argument. I I think obviously LeBron's like the face of the NBA now. It's kind of interesting that he said if LeBron wants us, to, it's like almost like he's making him out to be his dad or something. Like that he can't make his own decisions. I guess so. But uh, now bet PBM's pretty good. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think that's kind of a, a little bit ridiculous why he said that exactly. But I mean, ultimately, you know that. The, these figureheads, whether it be LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, you know, they're ultimately – if they want to play, you know, the rest of the league's either going to, you know, get with it or get lost, per se. So, it, it's kind of an interesting comment. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but they're going to come around and play. And, and ultimately, most of these guys, I think, have the passion that they want to play and that this, has been, this season has sucked because they haven't had the chance to. So, I think most of the players feel that way. Now, there's always going to be those guys that are – are just there to collect the check and, and things like that where they might not want to play out this season. But ultimately, I think it eventually comes around. And it's I think it's going to be extremely weird at first uh, if there's no fans and things like that. But uh, ultimately, I think they get the, the season started and under the most normal you know circumstances that they possibly can. Are you saying Tyree's just a guy who wants to collect the check? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, I, think he wants collect, I think he wants to collect the check. I'm not a big fan of either. I think he ruined the, he ruined the Cavaliers. He ruined the Celtics. He's probably going to ruin the Nets. Uh, instead of instead of the Midas touch, you know, everything he touches does not turn to gold. I think it turns into a loser. Um, and, and I think ultimately Cleveland was better off that he left. I guess obviously not better off that LeBron left, but the Celtics are certainly better off that he left. I think uh, one of the reasons Al Horford didn't want to sign because he thought Kyrie was still going to be there. So. Uh, I, you know, I think he, he's a guy who is popular with fans, polarizing for sure, and just just an opinionated guy who has a, has a, sometimes a different take on the world. I mean, I think he still thinks the world is flat. He does. He, he is one of those earth flat believers, if I, if I might say. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think he was almost justified in leaving Cleveland in the fact that he wanted his own team, you know, brand new start, that type of thing. I, I was okay with that. I didn't. You know, I exactly love it for, for the league as, as far as that goes because I thought Boston was better off without him the season before as they took LeBron to game seven and, and almost won that game even, you know. Yeah, I think once he uh, once he burned the bridge in Boston and just totally ruined that team and, and the chemistry and the flow, you could see it on the court. Uh, I just kind of lost respect for him because it wasn't so much, you know, it, when he left Cleveland, maybe I, I blame it on LeBron and him and everything like that, but once he left uh, Boston, I think he's clearly the problem, and he doesn't seem like he wants to change. He's almost getting worse now. He's almost advocating that the players, you know, shouldn't play. It's it's just, I don't know. I think he's a very selfish and, and egotistical guy, and and that's how just the way I'm going to feel going forward. Do you think he regrets leaving Cleveland? It, it it was well documented that you know once he sort of got the experience of leading his own team, leading a franchise, leading a city in Boston that he sort of felt the same, I guess for lack of a better word, aggravations that LeBron felt when he was trying to get those Cleveland teams and carry those guys to a championship and get everyone on the team to buy in and, and 
ultimately create a championship bond with, with that team. I think Kyrie sort of felt the same sort of things and trying to get everyone to buy in and ultimately called up Brown and apologized to him. But do you think, you know, his, his whole goal was to sort of run a franchise and run a city and he's kind of gotten away from that. I feel like him and Katie are going to show the spotlight a little bit once they both are, are healthy and come back. But do you think he regrets leaving LeBron and leaving Cleveland? Uh, I think, I think at times he does. I think if he, Almost, I think Boston. I mean, I'm not going to def- sit here and defend Kyrie, but I think Boston was one of those teams where he couldn't really step in and and be, you know, the number one guy as far as just from a leader perspective. I just don't think he clicked with the players on the team, and I I don't think they liked him. Obviously, uh, as he only lasted a season there, so re- realistically, a season there. So, um, yeah, I, I think at times he he regrets leaving Cleveland with with LeBron. You know, I, I just think it was more so an, an issue of, of him realizing that he can't do it on on his own in Boston. Now, you know, it's going to play out in, in Brooklyn the way it plays out. I'm not quite sure. Uh, you know, KD will be coming off a pretty severe injury, obviously. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, you know, but I, I just think it more so it's uh, Kyrie. Kyrie needs to realize that, you know, he has to play as a, he has to be a team player and and not be extremely selfish and, and take every shot and, and jack up, you know, 40, 50 shots a night as he was doing in Boston. And, and it just didn't work out for him. I, I think maybe he looks at it as a learning experience, but from what I've seen from Kyrie, I just think he's, he's very hard headed. And I don't know, I don't see him, you know, making a drastic turn of the turn, the corner type change anytime soon. Uh, are you, uh, <clears throat> would you, if you're, if you're, so let's say you're a Sixers fan, if I'm a, if I'm a regular run of the mill Sixers fan, would I prefer Ben Simmons or would I prefer Kyrie Irving on my team? Knowing, knowing everything we know now, knowing the character issues, knowing how each of those two guys play, knowing how Ben Simmons can shoot a three to save his life. Would you take Kyrie over Ben Simmons or, or would you still stick with Simmons? Can I, can I throw a curveball at you? Throw, throw me one. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch it up. Can I take Kemba Walker over either one of them? You could. That'd, that'd be a, a, a bold, brutally honest take if you did, but you can certainly take Kemba. I, I think I'd take Kemba over either one, but, but you know, not to, to derail your question and burn it to the ground. I, I would take, no, uh, I would take uh, Ben Simmons. Ultimately, I think Ben Simmons – I think Ben Simmons very uh, – his utility as a, as a point guard is, you know, unlike really anybody else in the game. I think his passing ability, his – uh, in point, in paint, uh, you know, ability to get to the hoop, slam it home. Uh, just his paint game is, is very good. I think he's, you know, obviously his size helps. You know, a huge point guard. So uh, I would, I would take Ben Simmons. You know, all day, every day. I, I've never been a Kyrie fan anyway, so I'm not in love with Ben Simmons' game. I think he needs to shoot the ball and stop being a pussy. But uh, I think that's really lefties, bro. lefties. He can't shoot. I don't know. I just think he needs to at least oh, try to shoot. I mean, put me in his position. I'll, I'll jack up twenty shots a game. See if see if five don't go in. But uh, anyways, yeah. you're selling yourself short. <laughs> six, but yeah, a good six seven on a good day. But uh, yeah, no, I I like Ben Simmons. I just think he he needs the. Uh, it's the fact that I think it, it pisses people off that he doesn't try. But I think uh, he's one of those special guys that that has the potential. Just he needs to to play like it all the time. And and when he turns it on, I think he's. He's lethal, and I love watching him play. But uh, yeah, Kyrie, I wouldn't. Even, I would. I would not consider for my team. I think he's more of a headache than he is uh, an asset. Wow, that's. It's yeah. I, I think if we're just strictly talking on court basketball skills and, and from a basketball perspective, I'd probably take Kyrie. But knowing everything we know now, and, and knowing how it ended in Cleveland, knowing how he, how it ended in Boston, and and knowing how it's. I guess sort of going in in Brooklyn, it's so hard to like keep this guy happy. Yeah, he's, he's playing with KD, and like I guess KD can sort of calm him down, calm him down, and he has someone basically vent to. And I feel like he really didn't have as good of a relationship with LeBron as he does with KD. They've you know known each other for years, whether it be through USA Basketball or just coming up and coming up into the league at I guess similar times. I think you know KD's obviously probably three or four years older, but. I guess from a basketball standpoint, I would probably take Kyrie. It's interesting you say Kemba over Ben Simmons, though. Yeah, I just think Kemba, obviously, he can score the basketball more. I, I think, you know, I, I just think Kemba is an all-around solid player where, you know, Ben Simmons has holes in his game where he does some things very, very well. But I think Kemba overall just does a lot, you know, almost everything well. So, I ultimately, if I had to pick up a point guard, I'd probably I'd take Kemba over 
over the two of them. It's almost like I compare uh, Kyrie to, and it's to a lesser extent, but he's kind of like Antonio Brown where he, he's lethal Ooh. at times. Obviously, I, I'm not going to say they're a direct comparison. I love that take, though. But, it's uh, a hot take. It, it's more so uh, they're just they're, – they're problem trials. I mean, they're, they're just issues. Wherever, wherever they go, it's issues. It's, they they want to pin it off on something else where they're not the problem. It's always something else, you know, that's, that's coming up that it seems to be the issue. And, and they, they don't really – you know, they might give these, heart, these half-assed apologies and, and things like that. But ultimately, I don't, I don't think either one of them thinks – you know they're ever in the wrong or, or ever the, the the real issue when they when they don't look themselves in the mirror and, and admit it to to them themselves and and to their teammates. I mean, you look at Antonio Brown where he forced himself out of Pittsburgh, went to Oakland, didn't even last the training camp there. Went to New England, played what one or two games there. So cup of coffee, cup a cup of coffee with the good old Belichick and his dog. But, Dunkin' Donuts uh, cup of coffee, eighty-seven cents. There you go. Well, he, a touchdown pass though. He he's got all the skills in the world, but he can't if he's not on the field and if he's a pain in the ass, then what does it matter? I think Kyrie's the same way. Not not to the to the level of an Antonio Brown. I don't think he's ever going to be as dominant as as that type of level. But uh, yeah, just more so a pain in the ass. And and I, I'd stay steer clear if I was any team. I wouldn't sign Kyrie. I'd, I'd rather try somebody else. Uh, yeah, I I, I agree. I, you know, Kyrie has all the talent in the world and, and probably has some of the most natural talent that I've probably ever seen, you know, outside of like a LeBron James type type player. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see what, what the NBA is going to do. Uh, you know, the players have agreed to the plan. So, I don't know, maybe they'll just sit out. I don't even think Kyrie's allowed to go to Orlando and go to the bubble since he's out for the season. I think they're trying to limit staff and, and numbers going to Orlando from each team as it is. So, He'll be sitting on his couch just like myself, just like Aaron will be watching these games. And I don't know, maybe he'll start his own league or something like that or pull something out of left field. I, when it comes to Kyrie Irving, I really can't be surprised um, when he does anything. So that wraps up our NBA talk a little bit. Let's let's get into some more NFL talk. Roger Goodell's been, been in the news lately. Um, he has been pretty pro player um, and sort of pro the, the Black Lives Matter movement, which has been great to see, in my opinion. And, and it, it does seem a little bit too, like too little too late, especially how we treated Colin Kaepernick, especially how he's treated the players who decided to take a knee um, during the national anthem before NFL games and sort of handled that silent protest. Um, he said over the weekend that he does believe that Colin Kaepernick um, should get signed by an NFL team and encourages NFL teams to go ahead and sign Colin Kaepernick. This has been a debate, I guess, ever since 2016, 2017. And um, every time a quarterback gets hurt or, you know, a backup gets signed that, you know, is, is pretty shit. I mean, with, with the Jets last year, like, Darnold went down and Simeon got hurt and then they played Luke Falk for two games. I, I think if you sign a guy like Kaepernick, he probably could have done a lot better than throwing for 50 yards a game like Luke Falk did uh, against your Eagles, by the way. Uh, I think, you know, a guy like that probably could have done better than, than Luke Falk. So do you think that, that Kaepernick will ever get signed by the, NFL, by the NFL team again, or do you think he's just going to get blackballed for the rest of his playing career? Yeah, I'm kind of on the – I mean, I, I kind of think – look at it like this. I think he would have got signed by now if he was going to. But I almost think this is a, a plea for, for Roger Goodell to, to try and get not so much clout, but uh, just to look good in the public eye. Because I think if he really would have cared, this would have happened years ago. So I think uh, he's just trying to push push his face to to the center of, of the, the population and, and to people that that watch the NFL and and even people outside of the league. I think he just wants to make the NFL look good in the, in this case, and I think he he's advocating for that for for maybe the wrong reason. But can't I can't see into his heart. I'm not a fortune teller or, or anything. I don't pretend to be, but. Uh, you know, I just think he's trying. He's kind of reaching to to get the NFL in the in the limelight and in the spotlight. And at a time like this, it's, it kind of you know falls right into his hands because of what you know all the social issues going on. But uh, if I were to guess, I would say maybe Kaepernick gets signed for a year or two deal. Uh, but I I don't know. If I'm a betting man, I I probably say he doesn't. But uh, he could. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he were to be signed. Uh, yeah, I think you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. I think from like a, a publicity standpoint, I think you know him saying that Kaepernick should get signed. Him saying that the NFL was wrong in the handling of the Colin Kaepernick situation from a few years ago is a publicity stunt. I just think everything he has sort of advocated for the past few weeks is just in response to you know the majority and 
the social norms, you know, these days, obviously it wasn't popular to, to side with Kaepernick three years ago. It wasn't popular to side with the protesters. It was popular to bash the players um, for disrespecting the anthem, for disrespecting the flag. So he is a cloud chaser. He goes with the, the majority. He goes with the loud majority. And, you know, I, I think it, it is, I guess it, it is sort of a step in the right direction as it has been for the country. But uh, I, I do think it is too little too late. And uh, he probably should go ahead and apologize publicly to Kaepernick. I don't think that would do much, but maybe it would, it would you know, win him back some goodwill in, in Colin's mind. But uh, I do think he, he probably will get signed again. It's it's just a matter of, of where and, and who's willing to do it. Like if you take a look at some of the, you know, different backup situations that, that are on throughout the league, he could probably stick as a third or, or, or maybe even a backup somewhere for, I don't know, maybe a guy like Tyrod Taylor in, in Carolina, or maybe a backup for a guy like Tannehill in, in Tennessee. Those are just a couple of teams off the top of my head. So I feel like in some capacity, maybe we, if we, you know, God forbid we see a quarterback injury happen um, in, in training camp, I know we have guys like Newton that, Cam Newton that need to get signed as well. So maybe we see him get signed. And, and you know, ultimately, I, I do think we will. It just might take an injury or two for us to sort of get there. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, I think he could back up Tyrod Taylor pretty comfortably. I don't, I don't think Tyler – I don't think Tyrod Taylor is going to set the world on fire. He has yet to do that ever. So, um, you know, maybe maybe they even have a, a competition at some point or, or if Tyrod Taylor starts struggling six games into the year, then – then maybe you see uh, Colin Kaepernick come in. I, I think you you pretty much nailed that one as far yeah, as just I think, the I think situation. I said, uh, I said Tyrod Taylor's on Carolina. He's on the Chargers. Teddy Bridgewater's on Carolina. There you go. Teddy Bridgewater is a lot better. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know that that situation. You know, maybe he can come in and and then he he would be playing basically. Uh, you know, not too far as far as being in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, hopefully Colin gets a job somewhere. It'd be nice to see him back in the league shooting up um, and, and sort of get what he deserves. Uh, sticking with the NFL, did you see your boy Zeke Elliott testing positive for Corona? I did. I think it's from him wearing all those belly shirts. I think that's how he contracted it. I heard it was from Jerry Jones on his yacht. I don't know if that's unconfirmed or not, but I heard he was partying on, on Jerry Jones' yacht and, and contracted that way. I'm I'm a little bit scared for Jerry Jones then because he's an elderly uh he's an elderly gentleman at this you know his life so hopefully that's not the case and the fact that you know I don't I don't wish death upon anybody even the Cowboys you know I don't want to get that far with it but uh that's nice of you yeah you know I try I try and be a human being at the end of the day um, unlike your other Philly fans I think they probably wish death upon the Cowboys and Jerry Jones but it's very nice of you said yeah they're they're a little bit malicious I think. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they, they got drafted there, and, and that's where they're going to play. Now I'm going to root against them every chance I get. But, uh, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, he's a double-edged sword for me because he played at Ohio State, which I absolutely hate them. And then he went to the Cowboys, which I absolutely hate them. So, actually, I hate Ohio State a little bit more than, than the Cowboys, but that that's a, a topic for another day. Natty Champ. Yeah, I think know how he got it. Do you know, do you know the actual I don't. No, I don't, actually. I, yeah. I don't know if. And I, what I heard is he's actually pretty upset that it that he got out. He doesn't want people knowing. So Adam Schefter strikes again. Uh, he's hiding in the bushes again. He's, <laughs> he's, he needs to get back on his medication, dude. He's, Jay Glazer is probably camping out in his backyard. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, you know it's probably something we're, we might see more and more, especially in, in you know in an NHL bubble or maybe the NBA bubble. We might see a few players test positive, but. Uh, I mean, depending on how he got it, like, it, it is a little bit alarming. And they, I think at the school, Houston, I think it was, they, they sent five or six kids home who contracted corona, you know, from their spring practices. So it's it's definitely, like, alarming to, to, to potentially get another second wave here and alarming that pro athletes are starting to get it, even if they're not around their teammates. And, you know, what's going to happen when they get around their, their team and the, the staff and the arena staff or the or stadium staff and different things like that. and you know, they're actually going to be on the road, um, you know, here in the next few months. So it's a little bit nerve wracking, uh, I guess, from like a, a sports coming back perspective. We wouldn't want anything to get delayed even more than they already have been. So, you know, maybe Zeke can, can take the next, you know, 14 days, maybe eat, eat some more cereal and, and get, 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 get some, some more poundage here and hopefully come back a little heavier than anticipated. He, he might uh, suffer some setbacks early in the season, but hopefully he, uh, he gets healthy quickly. Yeah, I just look at it, look at it as uh, such an unfortunate situation in the fact that it, 
it doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon as the, the like I, we, we kind of touched on earlier the cases are still you know prevalent and they still continue to, to be popping up you know daily and it, it's just I don't know I just think it's very unfortunate for for a lot of different reasons from a business perspective a sports perspective it's just it's an awful shame and and like you said I mean if, if a second wave hits I don't know if the leagues have to kind of pause what they're doing and go back to you know well a quarantine take effect again I you know I'm not sure I, you know we're in unknown times and, and this is unknown territory so you know in, in all honesty you know I'm gonna I'm gonna wish Zeke a, a good recovery I think they'll be fine I think these younger guys should all be fine I hope I mean God forbid, I don't want to see anything happen to, to any of these athletes or, or anybody in general. I, I'd have to think that players he's been training with, I, I got to think he's been on the field working out, things like that. They probably have it too. I mean, you know, you saw, I mean, teams have been getting together and training. I don't know if he was training with Cowboys players specifically, but like the Bills had, had like a, you know, eight or nine person workout last week. The Jets had like an eight or nine player workout. So I, I feel like it's it's gotten to the point where teams are starting to, congregate in smaller groups and like it just opens it and, and coming back from different parts of the country for that matter it just opens the door for I guess sort of you know more cases to pop up but I'm surprised that you know was it was it a few months ago that Dak threw that party where Zeke was at there was there was like 30 or 35 people at that. it was probably like a week or two after quarantine hit I'm surprised they didn't get it from from that gathering and, and Zeke has it now but that's neither here nor there yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I think, uh, you know, it's just kind of mind-blowing when, I don't know, it almost feels like you could go out any time and contract it, uh, you know, at any place, really. And, and just it's more so the unknown. Like, you know, there, there's so many uh, there's so many things being thrown around, how you get it, and still they're not exactly sure. I think that's the biggest thing around uh, the whole virus itself is it's so much, you know, we don't know and, and speculation. And it's it just it's mind-blowing that it, you know, has reached a, a point where sports haven't taken place for months and, and things like that, which I, I totally understand it. It's just, it continues to blow my mind that, you know, almost every day where still you're, you're seeing people wear masks and, and things like it. It's just, uh, it's, it's crazy times we're living in and it, it just doesn't continue. It, it doesn't seem like it's slowing down anytime foreseeable future. I saw Des Bryant tweeted. He was like tested negative for coronavirus. Like, prayers up or something like that like dude like you're not in the cowboys anymore i don't think anyone gives a shit wow I, people mad. people care if des bryant has a coronavirus i'm joking but like <laughs> i don't care if you're like you're not on the cowboys anymore i don't care about you as a player anymore. like cool if you were training with them but like i feel like he wants to get back in the league so bad that he's just like willing to hey i mean he's, he's like, a cloud chaser just like goodell is and six nine don't forget about him but uh always you know maybe by him telling people he's tested negative for uh coronavirus that you know maybe he's gonna inspire somebody to to take a, a chance on him i think that's ridiculous obviously i don't think that's gonna happen but they're bricks for hands uh as i call him he, he's just not a not a very good player at this point in his career and then and then you kind of see him come back with the saints last year and you know then he turns into Tua all of a sudden and turns into a, a piece of glass on the field and just explodes so yeah what you know. was uh what was was he like a a locker room problem with Antonio Brown, or why did he get cut from the Cowboys? I forget. Uh, De you Des does yeah, yeah Des. Uh, yeah. He didn't sign. I think, uh, I think he got cut. No, so I know he signed a, a giant uh, contract. I think it was the year before that, the year that he he kind of came out there, you know, to make a long story short, and just dropped literally everything that was thrown his way. I mean, <laughs> they're they're throwing Gatorade <laughs> bottles at him to to you know replenish his thirst on the field. He's dropping those. I mean. It, you know, people were throwing him footballs to sign from the stadium, and and they was dropping those. So he just turned into, you know, a guy that they couldn't catch. You know, he couldn't catch a cold. That's why he doesn't have coronavirus. But because uh, Tony Romo was throwing the ball. Nah, I don't know, man. You got to go back and watch some of those clips. I mean, yeah, I'm not, it, I'm not a I'm not a avid Cowboys watcher of the game, so I, I don't doubt just your, just your atrocious, man. Another Nelson Aguilar 2.0. I, I wouldn't say that, but. <laughs> pretty bad pretty, i think he's uh Derek carr's problem now <laughs> i think uh i think des led the, the league in drops actually yeah, probably did he's getting the ball thrown to my professional golfer tony romo yeah oh man I, i'm not by no means my cowboys fan but I, i'll stick up for romo over why he can he got it there man there are so many what times. do you mean he got it there there's he's so on the ground he, he didn't play in the past like 304 seasons <laughs> What do you mean he got the? He couldn't get off the couch. 
I was trying to get the ball to Des Bryant. He got, the ball, he got the ball to Jason Wynn, who's practically in a freaking wheelchair on the floor. I don't know, man. Des Bryant. I think I'm thinking Tony Romo in his prime over Dak at this point. No chance. No fucking <laughs> chance. I wish, I wish we could have a poll. Zero chance. I wish we could have a poll on this. I wish Holy we, shit. You got to go back. You're out of your mind if you're out of Tony. Tony Romo. To, Tony Romo. You got to have Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. You gotta go back and look at the you go back and look at the stats, man. I'm telling you. I know you. Dak Prescott gets gets beat off at spring break. Tony Romo? In his prime, Tony Romo is dangerous. I'll say that. He he struck dangerous for who? He struck more fear into me as an Eagles fan than than De- every time I see Tony him. Romo or Eli Manning. Who struck more fear into you in their primes? I I gotta see, I I mean I I'll, I'll say Eli Manning. Because of but, the rings. Because of the rings, but Eli Manning in the regular season is an absolute shitbag, absolute dumpster fire, you know, on top of, you know, you, you douse the gasoline on that fire. That that thing's huge. That's a forest fire in the regular season. So, Eli Manning, absolute scrub. I'll say that. I, I think wow. postseason goes wow. one. <laughs> yeah, two rings on his fingers. Biggest scrub to ever win two rings. I'll say that. Absolute guy is Mr. Biggest Mr. scrub to win two rings. That's, to, that's what you're saying. To, so, uh, I'll say this. I think How many uh, people won two rings? I <laughs> it's a short list, but of those people, he's got to be at the bottom of the list because in in the clutch moments, I'll take Eli Manning in ten out of whatever how many seasons. If he you missed take Romo in the clutch moments, you're certified. No, 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 no. I won't take Romo. No, I, I'll probably take uh, I'll probably take Rivers over Romo. I don't know though. Rivers is kind of underachieved his whole career, in my opinion. I would take so. Rivers over Romo. I don't know. That's that's a toss up to me. I think Tony Romo probably had a. I don't know. That, I might take Alex Smith in his prime over Tony Romo. No, nah, come on now. That's, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't be disrespectful. Another emergency bill, you know. I'm trying to think. Alex I just can't believe you would take Romo over Dak. I just – I am I think Dak's extremely overrated. Every time – Dak will so play great. So is Tony Romo. I think so too, but I think Tony Romo is more solid overall. Just overall, I've, I've seen him hurt the Eagles a lot more than I've – even in a couple seasons that Dak has played, I just I'm not not sold on. I think that if the Cowboys let Dak, I think you're just nicer to Romo because the Eagles finally have a ring. Yeah, maybe, but I I don't know. I think I think Tony that it's kind of a it's kind of one of those situations where I think it, once again it's kind of the organization making them out to be you know cancers because <laughs> down the stretch, no matter who they have as quarterback, they fall apart like a bag of bricks. So I mean, how many big games did Tony Romo win in his career? I would argue he he didn't win a single big game. Uh, I don't know. I, did, how many times have you, has he gone to the championship game? I don't. None. None. I don't think he's won a playoff game. <laughs> no, he's won. He's won at least one or two playoff games. He's won. I don't. I, I'm gonna. We're gonna get this, the research department on this one. Maybe he. Maybe his one playoff game win. We'll get. We'll get the research over or under one. That's you're saying. You're saying. Right I think there. he has. I think he has one playoff game. He had the game against the Seahawks where he, when he uh, they could have won the end of the game when they had that field goal he muffed the fucking okay snap. so yeah so he's got he's got two wins under his I thought he had two yeah okay I was gonna say I thought what? he had at least fair two two and four two and four two and four at this point in his career uh, all right I'm sorry obviously retired I don't uh, think Dak isn't I thought Dak had I think Dak has one doesn't he Dak probably has one. obviously not, not last year but the year before I think. Yeah, Google doesn't even want to tell me how many he's won because it's so you know irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. I guess you know I think I think Dax Dax is one of those guys he can win you a regular season game, uh, kind of like a Romo. But I'd be more scared if Dak walked away from the Cowboys and they got somebody brand new than I would be if Dak stayed. I don't think Dak's a real threat. Yeah, I mean I just think Tony Romo had more help when he was. Oh, you know, no, I, I don't deny that, but I think you know. Yeah, they both had good running backs though. At one point, yeah, Dak Dak has Zeke. He has Cooper now. You know, I think Cooper's helped him a lot. Last year, Randall Cobb was playing pretty good. Uh, I don't think he re-signed there though. No, he's with uh, he's with the Texans. I think. Uh, Good luck with that. Gallup's pretty good. Michael Gallup. They just got Ceedee Lamb. Yeah, so they're they're starting to they're starting to pile up. I just think he he had Witten. He had Jason Witten so late in his career. He had Dez late in his career. I, I think. There was definitely a shift there. Like, there was that, uh, you know, that year, obviously, when, when Romo got hurt and, and Dak took over his rookie year, I think, you know, obviously there was that shift. I think that the, the old guard of, like, the, the Cowboys who had been there for the past decade plus were sort of leaving, and then a new regime of new players were starting to come in. So, I, I don't know. I think I would, I would honestly take, like, 
Dak's best games and stacking them up against Romo's best games right now. And, and I think I'd go toe-to-toe with you. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're far apart regardless of what, what side you're on. I think yeah, but Dak's played like four years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll give you that. But I don't know. I just I don't think Dak's real impressive by any I think they make, I think they win the, win the NFC East this year. Oh, man, I think that's a spiteful take right there. I think that's out of spite because of this conversation. No, I'm just getting a hard time. I mean, maybe. Well, they, the Redskins aren't the Giants' ball. It's between the Eagles and the, and the Cowboys. Yeah. I don't know, though. I, I think I, I think anything any, anything will go because of, you know, the abbreviated training camp and the weird offseason we've had. Like, I honestly, I'm, like, I'm honestly, the Cowboys could go 0-16 or they could go, like, 13-3. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, not to go off on a complete tangent that we are going off on, but right. uh, it kind of worries me that the Eagles have a, a smaller camp this year, uh, you know, shorter shorter training camp because, uh, you know, that gives me all the more fear that Carson Wentz might not get enough reps and, you know, maybe he gets injured. And I, I get paranoid about that because he isn't exactly indestructible and, and he's struggled with injuries his entire career up to this point. So, you know, if Carson goes down, I think obviously the Cowboys – you know, probably pull the division out. If Carson's in there and, and plays, you know, better than last year, more consistent to start the year, then I think it's the Eagles to lose. Uh, at the same time, it, it's going to be interesting because I think Jason Garrett was a lot of the Cowboys' problem before, and now right. Mike McCarthy coming in, they they might – this might be the year they, they set the world on fire at least up until the playoffs. Now, I don't know how they'll do come playoff time, but, you know, I, I couldn't – you know, they, they could go 12-4 and four or something like that. I would not be shocked if that happened, but – yeah. Um, I don't – I hope to God it doesn't happen, but, you know, it, it could. It, it's on the table. So. Yeah, that was uh, an unplanned segment, but but a great segment. Hopefully we didn't burst the speakers in your cars, <laughs> your phones, your earpieces, whatever you're listening to. But, uh, yeah, that was that was a heated Prescott-Rumbo debate, but I loved it nonetheless. Uh, thank you all for, for listening. Um, you know, today, tonight, this morning, whenever you listen to this podcast, we appreciate it. Second in-person show, it's – Definitely get a little, you know. Definitely get a little better. I think the flow is starting to get better. Uh, we're starting to work out our technical difficulties. Starting to work out some more kinks. So hopefully we can continue to improve and get better and uh, just become more of an easy listen for you guys. But uh, Aaron, why don't you take us home? Yep. As always, thanks for thanks for listening, and uh, you know we'll come at you with more and more content later in the week. Take us home. <laughs>